Hey, this is Matt Stacy, youth pastor at New Life, and this is our podcast. I hope that the preaching and teaching you listen to here encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with God. This podcast is a ministry of New Life, and as such, is completely free to the listener. That being said, if you feel led to give to this ministry, we want to make that available to you. You can text GIVE to 833-793-0451. You can also give online through the Tithely app by searching New Life Tabernacle. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message. fire in me and uh, anything beyond that and it's going to be it's going to be all Jesus praise the Lord amen don't get your hopes up I'm feeling I feel like I've got a word from the Lord but I am a little weary so I would like you to pray for me in a minute when we pray over this pray that God would give me strength and I would say everything that he'd have me to say 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to start reading in verse number 20, and we're going to read through verse 32, 20 through verse 32, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army saluted his brother. Sounds like David was excited to be there. Amen. He had been shepherding sheep. His brothers had been fighting a war and I don't know, maybe in his heart it was it was it was just a feeling like I wish I was there fighting for my God and my country as well. David runs to the army. And as he talked with his brethren in the army, Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David 
heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Verse 26, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom did you leave the sheep? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, I love this scripture. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David said, King, don't worry about it. I can handle it. This is not a big deal. Send me. Let me out there. And if you didn't notice from the tone of this entire passage, David is just excited to be on the battlefield. Everyone else has been in the fight so long that they're weary, they're tired, and they're afraid. But David comes walking up and he's just excited to be there. I want to preach for just a minute with the help of the Lord. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Would you help me pray over this, Jesus? We thank you for another opportunity in your house to preach your word, to hear from your word. Lord, I ask that you would help me to say everything you'd have me to say, nothing more, nothing less. Help me to declare the whole counsel of God and let the seed of your word fall on good ground. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I've got a thought that I feel like I want to communicate, but as is the case with so many of my sermons, I don't exactly know how to get there until we get there. Amen. So we're just going to, we're going to take off and, and figure it out. If you know anything about the background of this story, and it's important that we always, always, always find the background of 
the text of Scripture that we're reading. If you know anything about it, then you know that Israel had been fighting the Philistines for a long time, for what seemed like ever. Since its inception, its existence, they had had this ongoing war, this battle with the Philistines. You need to know that the Philistines were not just some backwoods society. They were more technologically advanced, actually, than Israel. They had mastered the art of iron. And so they had better weapons and they had better armor. They had been fighting for a while, so inevitably they had better training in many instances. And here they are, fighting Israel once again. Now, what we have to know again is the Philistines had just won a significant battle against Israel. And it's actually one of the most tragic stories in all of the Bible. You've got the Philistines and they move against Israel and you've got Israel led by the sons of the priest, Eli. And they were so confident that they could defeat um, the Philistines. They were confident, so confident, and all they knew was that, all they thought they needed, rather, was the Ark of the Covenant. And so, if you read the story, they take the Ark of the Covenant and they determine in themselves, um, as long as we've got this, we can win. And if you know previously, Philistines had been getting the better of them. But now, they've, they've figured it out. If we can just get that thing that represents the Spirit of the Lord, the presence of the Lord. And we can just get that thing to battle. That thing is what's going to provide the victory. And so they take this out to the battle. And if you read the story, I want to preach sometime a few things that can't save you. If you read the story, they take this Ark of the Covenant to battle and the Philistines hear about it. And the Bible says that they were afraid, Brother Cody. But then they, they uh, stabilized themselves like men, it says. And they decided, we're afraid, but we're going to fight anyways. And it says a loud shout went up from Israel because the ark was there. And Israel was excited and they knew they were going to win because they've got the presence of the Lord. And they praised the Lord. They gave a shout. Everybody was excited, praising the Lord, because we've got the presence of the Lord. We're going to have victory. And then the, the, the battle went forth. And the Bible says that the Philistines totally annihilated, just wiped them out in the battle. So bad, they ended up killing the two sons of Eli and taking the Ark of the Covenant captive. I want to preach sometime, again, a few things that can't save you. Praise without obedience can't protect you. You can, you can come to church and you can worship and go crazy, but whenever you leave those doors, if your life isn't in covenant with Almighty God, it doesn't do you any good. 
And that's why people will come on Sunday and they will get victory and then they will go out on Monday and they will fall back into the same trap, the same problem that they were in. And this is what Israel thought, if we can just praise them. And they thought if we can just get the presence of the Lord out there and we can just get the presence, you know, God will fight our battles. But again, if obedience isn't the key thing, if it isn't led by obedience and a life that's in relationship with God, it's going to fail. And so they lost that thing that represented the presence of God. And that was because if you knew the story of those two sons, they were evil, wicked children. They didn't love God. They didn't obey God. They didn't, they didn't respect the house of God. And they just thought that they could manipulate the presence of God, manipulate God Almighty, could do what they wanted and to work for them. And it ended up failing. And so here we are. The Philistines win this incredible victory against Israel. And now the Philistines are really feeling their oats. And they decided this is the moment, this is the hour. We've taken their greatest prize. It's time to march to the heart of Israel. It's time to capture Judah. And so they march. On their way, if you know the structure of Israel, I've done some research and some reading. I want to visit this place so bad. You'll know that in order to reach the heart of Israel, in order to get there strategically, you've got to pass through a valley. This valley gives you access to the heart of Israel, to all of Israel. If you control this valley, if you get... Um, military control of the valley, you have control of all of Israel. You can take your armies to anywhere in Israel that you want. This valley is the valley of Elah. And this is the valley that we read about in our text. They're marching towards Judah. They've decided we're not, we're done fighting these battles every once in a while. We're going to go ahead and we're going to cut the head off of the snake. We're going to wipe Israel out. We're going to the capital. And on their way, in order to get there, they've got to go through this valley. And so everyone in Israel understands this. The military commanders of the day understand this. Saul knows this. David's brothers know this. This valley is so important because of the strategic importance it has. The, st the strategic value that it has. They have to go through this valley to get to Judah. And so the two armies meet here. Israel stops the advance of the Philistines. The Philistines on one side of the valley, Israel on the other. And they're at this uh, lull in the action, if you will. They're kind of just waiting for the other one to make the move in order for the battle to commence. And they're standing there and they're weary of fighting and that's where we read of Goliath coming out. And I think it's 40 days. He walks out and he decides we're going to, they would settle this, uh, a type of fight this way in the ancient days where one champion would face another champion. And, and if the one champion would win, the other opposing army would submit themselves to the, to the winning side. And so they were going to save a lot of lives. This is what happens. Goliath decides I'm unbeatable anyways. Let's do this. And for 40 days, Brother Cody, he stepped out into the valley, that place that mattered so much, 
This was, it all came down to this. And he mocked the armies of God. And he mocked God. Waiting for just one man to decide that it was worth it to take this guy on. 40 days. And that's where we find our story. David, with the excitement that only David could have, comes running into the battle. And I don't want to cross theological swords with you, but it's important that you understand we've gotten the idea of David wrong. David is not some little boy that's running up on the battlefield. David has already killed a bear. He's already killed a lion. He's probably around the age of 17, but he's a big 17. I just believe that. And here's why I believe that. Before he ever kills Goliath, a servant comes to Saul, and you know what the servant says about David? David's just the shepherd. He says, Saul, he's a man of war. That's what they call David. He's a man of war. So David was a fighter. David was strong. I think that David was a young man, but David was no ordinary young man. And he comes out on the battlefield, and he's probably feeling in his heart of hearts, this is where I should be anyways. I know I'm doing an important job protecting the sheep, but there's a battle that's going on, that the fate of Israel hangs in the balance. And my brothers are getting to be a part of it, and I'm not, and Jesse sends him to go check on his brothers, and he's excited about the opportunity. And he runs up, the Bible says, Runs to the battle, excited, but what does he find? He finds the armies of Israel cowering and afraid. And he's shocked because out of nowhere climbs this mammoth of a man and is mocking the armies of Israel. And David is just like, what is happening? This is God's army. We can take this guy. And David's ready for the fight. And not only that, you see, David would do it for free. But they tell David, you've got all of this that's being offered to you if you can just fight him, just kill him. And so David's like, game on. Let's roll with this. If not, I would do it for free, but you're offering me a lot of stuff. And his brothers, they get mad at him, Brother Cody, because they see a prideful child, not the man that he is. And they say, you're up here just to make us look foolish. That's kind of what's going through their mind. And David, he responds to them with that great question. And it lets us in on the, it gives us insight into the mind of the military at the time. They had forgotten something. They had lost an essential ingredient to victory in battle. And David, in one question, brought it to light exactly what they lost they said you're just wanting to go down there and fight because you're wanting the glory David and and you've got all these ideas and you just need to go back home and David responds to them and I know in his mind he's thinking I wouldn't even have to volunteer myself if one of y'all would have already done it and he asked them that question is there not a cause is there not a reason brothers that you're out here Israel is there not a reason that we are battling this people here we are at the valley of Elah 
strategic importance. If we lose this fight, we lose everything. And David asked him, he reaches down deep inside of himself, and he says, is there not a cause? And you know what? They're looking at David, and they're saying, David, you're going to die. David, that's a giant out there. And David said, that's, a un, that's an uncircumcised Philistine. And they said, no, he's nine foot tall. He's got armor everywhere. He's got muscles in his forehead popping out. And David just says, that's just a man. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason to be here? Are we not fighting for a purpose? Let me just tell you what David understood. David understood that if there was a cause, if they were in the right, if there was a reason for the fight, this was the army of God. And God was going to show up every time to help out his people in the battle. But there had to be a cause. And so David just asked them, is there not? a reason that we're fighting the military experts of the day should have been willing on day one to get out there and fight because if they lose this ground they lose Israel their homes were on the line their families were on the line and yet not one man could get out there why because they lost sight of the cause and they were focusing on the enemy they lost fight a sight of the purpose the reason for being there and they were focused on on the giant how many times today do we get focused on all the stuff that's against us how many times do we get distracted by the enemies that we fight every day and we lose sight of the reason the purpose that we are fighting I want to ask you today is there not a cause I know that in the hour that we're living in in the day that we're living in it's easy to get tired and get weary and I just want to encourage you getting tired is not a sin it's okay to get weary in the fight it's okay to get tired holding the sword it's okay to get tired in the battle but what it's not okay to do is to lose sight of the reason why you're in the fight in the first place there is a cause today Hallelujah. Their cause was simple. If they lost, they lost everything. If they lost that valley, they lost their family, they lost their homes, they lost their loved ones. That valley mattered so much that David was, you didn't have to ask him any questions. He didn't need armor. He knew what had to be done. I've got to win this fight because my family's on the line. This valley matters to God. This guy is in is disrespecting God and his armies I'll take him on and we've got to have that fight that's inside of us that reminder that there is a cause there is a reason to wake up every morning and live for God there's a reason to wake up every morning and believe in the word of God and stand on the word of God there's a cause today 
Hallelujah. I just want to preach for just a couple of minutes. I know that I'm in an apostolic church, but I want to remind us of just a few causes that we have to fight for, that we can't lose this stuff. The first one that comes to mind is baptism in Jesus' name. Oneness of God. That's a cause that we can't afford to lose. We ought to fight for it every day. Don't back up an inch to people who try to say that they're three gods that there are three co-equal no there's not there's one God one Lord one faith there's one name given among men whereby we must be saved come on that's a cause that I'm willing to die for that's a cause that I'm willing to fight for hallelujah what happens if we lose that cause if we lose baptism in Jesus name we lose forgiveness we lose the blood. You don't have access to the blood of Jesus Christ any other way. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, you don't have the blood over your life. If you've been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, you don't have the blood over your life. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name because there's only one saving name under heaven. Hallelujah. If we lose that name, we lose the authority that comes with that name. If we lose that name, we lose the protection that comes with that name. We can't afford to lose that. That's a cause. Hallelujah. You know what else we can't afford to lose? We can't afford to lose speaking in tongues. We can't afford to lose the Holy Ghost. That's not just an extra. I've heard it said that's just an extra blessing. You can have it if you want. If you don't want it, don't worry about it. That's a lie from hell. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. You can't make it. The Holy Ghost is a quickening spirit. You can't make it off this earth without the Holy Ghost inside of you. And what's more than that, you can't even live for God from day to day without the Holy Ghost inside of you. Why? Because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. We can't afford to lose that. Hallelujah. That's the breath of life blowing in this place. We are a spirit-filled church. We're not just a gathering of believers. We're not just a social club. This is a spirit-filled church. This is a name-called church. We believe in signs, wonders, and miracles. We believe in it, and we can't lose it. We've got to have it. That's a place to fight for. That's a cause. Hallelujah. Don't let anybody discourage you. You didn't really talk in tongues. That was all in your mind. No, it was not. I experienced it for myself. I remember where I was when God filled me with the Holy Ghost and I'm never going back. That's a cause worth fighting for. Other people can lay down on that cause, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to let the world pull me away from that cause. That's worth fighting for. You know what else is worth fighting for? Holiness. Holiness is worth fighting for and separation from the world. You know what? Right now we're living in a time where the lines between good and evil are being so blurred. And right now evil is being called good and good is being called evil. That is a cause that we have got to fight for. If we don't fight for it, our children won't believe it. If we don't stand for it, the church will lose it in a generation. We've got to fight for separation from the world hallelujah 
And believe it or not, your separation is your protection. Your obedience to the word of God is your protection. Don't fall into the trap of the sons of Eli thinking that we can get all the blessings and the benefits of God without obedience to the word of God. No, that is a lie. My Bible still says, be ye holy for I am holy. My Bible still says, let me prophesy to you for a minute. Come out from among them and be ye separate saith God hallelujah see we're living in a time right now everybody wants a fresh word and they want a unique word and they want somebody to get up and prophesy and read their mail and all that kind of stuff guess what God's already given you a word you don't need a fresh word you need to live by the word you don't need a new word you need to stand on the word it's forever settled Hallelujah, forever settled. I'll stand on that. I'll fight for that cause. Hallelujah. There is a cause. There's a cause. Hallelujah. And guess what? I hope you're in it for yourself. I hope you've got it deep on the inside. But more than just doctrinal causes, you know what else we've got? Every child that's in this place is a cause. Every child in this place is a battleground that you ought to fight for every day of your life. Every parent in this place ought to be praying over your children every morning. You ought to lay hands on them every night. You ought to pray the will of God over their life. Come on, that's a cause that we've got to fight for. David said this valley is too important to lose. I just want to say our children are too important to lose. Come on, the world will say that you're being too tight of a parent. The world will say that you're being too hard on your children. You're being too disciplined. You're keeping them from too much fun. You know what you're keeping them from? You're keeping them from heartache. You're keeping them from hell. You're keeping them from misery. You're... Come on, somebody. Our children, that's a battleground that we ought to be willing to fight for. There's a cause. Hallelujah. And you know what? It only takes one. It doesn't matter if the rest of the army doesn't realize that there's a cause worth fighting for. It doesn't even realize. It doesn't even matter if my family doesn't realize that the cause is worth fighting for. David just looked around and said, my family doesn't think it's worth fighting for. That's okay. I think it's worth fighting for. The army doesn't think it's worth fighting for. That's okay. I I believe it's worth fighting for King Saul he's my superior he's the leader he's the anointed one he doesn't think it's worth fighting for that's okay I believe it's worth fighting for and so David went out into that valley with anointing from God because he saw a cause hallelujah you know what? The, the, the main point of that story we preach way too much about Goliath we preach about Goliath. We preach about giants. We focus so much on the enemy. Giants of depression. Giants of... I've heard a preacher say, you've got to name your giant. All these giants that we're fighting. What the enemy looks like. Name them this, name them that. Call it out. All the giants. David never once called him a giant. That didn't bother him. It didn't matter. It could have been Joe Bob the Philistine who was four foot tall. But as long as he was saying what he was saying about the army of God, David was ready for a fight. 
Come on. We have got to get our eyes off of the enemy. Stop focusing on the battle. Stop worrying about who it is that we're fighting and focus on the cause. And it doesn't matter what day we're living in. doesn't matter what country we're living in. The cause is the same. Hallelujah. There is a cause. If you want to be seated for just a minute. There's a cause that's worth fighting for and worth giving everything for. When one of these, we've got new babies everywhere. When the first one of them speaks in tongues without anybody teaching them how to do it, that's a cause worth fighting for. Nobody's going to have, you know what, I am tired of these people that get in somebody's ear and they start telling them certain things to say. They didn't do that in the upper room. It wasn't in the book of Acts. You don't have to teach somebody how to speak in tongues when God's ready to fill them. If they've had repentance in their life, they're going to speak in tongues because it's a free gift. And I can't wait for the day when the young people that are here, the babies that are here, speak in tongues for the very first time without anybody having to tell them what to do. And the only way that's going to happen is if we decide that's a cause worth fighting for. Hallelujah. One of these days, they're going to get old enough to realize they're not good enough without God. And they've got to have the blood applied to their life. And they need to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's not going to happen unless we hold tight to that cause. Unless we decide that's a cause worth fighting for. Hallelujah. You've got to teach them about the cause. Make sure they understand that it's a cause worth fighting for. Hallelujah. Today is July 4th. We're celebrating the greatest gift that God's given the church outside of the new birth. A free country. A country that we can worship God freely in. It's a great country. But you know, so many times, it almost didn't exist. There were so many ways that this could have gone wrong. I told y'all on Wednesday night, one of the times, they had almost given up. But Benjamin Franklin stands up and says, Gentlemen, we need to pray and we need to fast. And they did. And they came to an agreement over the Declaration of Independence. It's a great day. They almost lost it then. And then, if you study this war at all, you know that their army was miserable. I just don't know how many people today, I'm I'm speaking not in spiritual terms, I'm just talking physical terms, would be able to endure the stuff that these men did. Did you know that at Valley Forge, Snow everywhere. These men, a lot of them, didn't have shoes. They were tying burlap sacks to their feet in order to keep frostbite away. There were sick, dysentery, wreck uh, in the camp. Terrible situation. And you know what started to happen, Brother Chad? After a while, they forgot why they were fighting. A lot of them did. And if you read the books... Uh, history books about this war. I recommend 1776. Great book by it. You'll find out 
that George Washington almost lost everybody. Week after week, he had to watch as men who made commitments to fight for freedom, for independence, walked away because they were tired. I've lost three toes for the cause. I'm out. Like that's, I'm being funny, try to lighten it a little bit, but that's what, literally, that's what's going on. My foot is now completely black. It needs to be gone for the cause. And they're like, I'm tired. I'm done. And George Washington's trying to think of everything he can do just to keep these men going just a little bit longer. He's begging them, give me three more months. Give me six more months. And they were falling away to the point where they were just down to just a few thousand men against the might of the British Empire. And that's when Thomas Paine wrote a pamphlet and it spread throughout the army. There's power in words, in causes, in ideas. The men that were there that day had forgotten why they were there and their cause. And Thomas Paine, he got inspired. He wrote it on a drum. Out there freezing to death with the men. Came out these beautiful words. These are the times that try men's souls. These are the times. You know what he didn't do? He didn't tell them that their weariness wasn't a big deal. He didn't even tell them to man up. Didn't tell them, didn't try to tell them that it didn't exist, that their problems weren't real, that they weren't freezing to death, that they weren't in a bad situation. But he reminded them, these are the moments in life. There are moments just like this that try your very soul, something deep down inside of you. And you know what he said? He said, these aren't the times for sunshine patriots. And I love that phrase. What was he talking about? You know, during the summer months, the army was packed and full. And everybody was willing to fight. But come winter, when the cold set in and the misery started, they forgot why they were fighting and so many of them walked away. And so Thomas Paine just reminded them, this isn't time for any sunshine patriots, for people that are only going to show up and fight in the good times, but not in the bad times. These are the moments where we've got to check our soul and our spirit and make sure that we're in this to win this, that we have the right motivation. And in that moment, they started spreading that throughout the army. And one after one decided to stay and it stabilized the army. And historians will look back and say that if it wasn't for that pamphlet, and I wish that I had the whole thing that I could read it to you today, but if it wasn't for that, they would have lost that war. If it wasn't for a reminder that their cause was worthy, that they had a reason to fight, that they had a reason to suffer, that they had a reason to go through the mess that they were going through, they would have given up and walked away and they would have lost and there would be no America today. I just want to say it's going to get dark and it's going to keep getting darker. If you read your Bible, I know that we've, and I'm believing for a great revival, but if I read it, it looks like 
it's going to keep getting worse and worse. Jesus even made the statement, would there be any faith on the earth during that day? It's going to get bad. And my question is, have you made up in your mind that there is a cause worth fighting for? Are you determined to stay? Are you determined to win? Are you determined to fight for Acts 2.38? Are you determined to fight for one God? Are you determined to fight and stand for holiness and for your children? I hope that you are today because this is not the time for sunshine patriots. This is not just the time for Sunday and Wednesday saints. This is the moment. This is the hour for many Davids to rise up and say there is a cause. There's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why we're fighting. There really is a hell and there really is a heaven and there are real people that are going there every day. We have got a cause that's worth fighting for. I wonder if the music could come. I'm coming to a close. There's a cause today. I hope you've got it settled in your spirit and in your mind. These are the times. These are the moments that try men's souls. It's not the good times that determine a Christian that's going to stay. It's the bad times. It's when nobody believes it but you. It's when your co-workers don't like you because you're Christian. It's when your family make fun of you because you're living for God. Those are the times. It's when the school system hates you because you're a parent that wants to live for God in the Word and wants to raise a child that's living for God in the Word. Those are the times that you've got to remember why you're fighting and the cause that you are fighting for. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. I wonder if you could raise your hands right now and begin to pray. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity in your house. We magnify you, Jesus. I thank you for this reminder, God, that there is a cause. I open up this altar right now. If you want to just come up and recommit yourself to the cause of Christ. Jesus said, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself. Let him pick up his cross and begin to follow me. There's a cause today. It's worth it. The doctrine is worth it. The word of God is worth it. Your children are worth it. Keep fighting. Keep believing. Keep going. There is a cause. There is a cause. There's a reason we're out here. We're not just going through the motions. What we do matters. What we believe matters. It's important. It's critical. We can't lose. In the name of Jesus.